Well, it's good to be here this morning. Um, we were here last in uh, October of 2016. Um, we first came here in 2008. Thank you, Angie. I don't, I'm like back there sometime and she's like, it was actually October 9th of 2016 and the first time was this anyway, so. Um, but as we get older, it gets easier because um, we're both forgetting everything, so. <laughs> so even when I think I'm right, I don't remember that anymore, so it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, we have four boys. Um, I'm originally from New Hampshire, and Angie's from California. And we came here originally. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you were here. I think the Carters were here, and Valerie was here, and the Roods were here, and a few others, right? <laughs> Who are maybe aren't here this morning, but are still here anyway. So. Um, I just, I don't think I've shared this story before. Angie and I were, were originally going on the field in 2008. That was our projected goal. And so we were, at like, just about every missionary wondering, are we going to make it? Is there going to be enough funding? And we had kind of, we are looking at pretty much exhausting all of our contacts and going, okay, we're at whatever percent. And, um, you know, and Angie had a brilliant idea of, praying about it, you know, it's like, you know, we talk about it, but we don't actually sit down and just go, okay, Lord, you know, send us some, some people to fund this. If it's your will, then you will have us there. And, you know, so we prayed that way very specifically. And there was another church in Vermont, um, in down near Bennington that the next day, um, contacted us and said, Hey, we're looking for a missionary to support. It was like, how often does that happen? <laughs> Especially in New England, you know? And uh, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, Lord, should have done that a long time ago. And so we, we prayed like that again, and we were contacted from a, a representative from our mission organization very soon after that saying, hey, there's a church, they're having a missions conference, and maybe you guys can come and share. And so that's how we ended up here. We came and shared, and then we came back and spoke, and, and uh, you guys chose to support us. So. Um, I really, it, I don't know, there's, there's something uh, very special about that feeling like, okay, God is the one that put us together, and it wasn't because Angie and I had some dynamic presentation, which has never happened. Um, <laughs> maybe Angie, but not myself. And so it's really neat to be, to be around and to come back. And um, part of us being here only, you know, about two and a half years later is, we're trying to do a two-year, six-month kind of cycle on our breaks because, um, oh, there's just a lot of things. Parents are getting older. Four years was a long, really long time. Travel being what it is is a bit easier these days. So we feel like also being away from our ministry for a whole year when we come back to the States is just way too long a time. I mean, who leaves their job for a year? And um, so we're trying to do this... Um, you know, where we spend two years in Tanzania, where we're serving, and then have six months in the States. And um, part of what precipitated this arrival right now was we no longer have uh, residency there because our visas ran out and we weren't able to get new visas. Um, there's been some governmental changes and things, and there's a lot in that. So we're going back in June 
Um, June 7th we have tickets and we don't yet have visas. Um, if, we, if we get to that day and still don't, we'll go back on tourist visas, which means we have 90 days and we have to leave the southeastern countries of Africa, meaning we have to go out you know, to Europe or something like that and then we can come back for another 90 days and so on and so forth for a year. And so we're praying hard that the Lord will give us visas before we go, or at least um, we'll only have to do that once. Because if you can imagine, it would be expensive for six of us to travel. Um, and then, you know, the whole turmoil of transitions and whatnot. So that's a, a big prayer request that we have. Um, uh, so Tanzania is where we're serving. And um, that's Tanzania behind us. And There it is. And um, this doesn't show you where it's located, but it's on the southeastern coast of Africa. Um, if you, anyone, you guys know people from Michigan, right? People from Michigan, when they're like, oh, we're from, they do this. So they tell you where they're from. So I do this. This is Africa. And um, so here's South Africa, and then Mozambique, and then Tanzania, Kenya. This is Somalia up here, anyway, to give you an idea of kind of whereabouts it is in the continent, because, um, you know, you can fit the United States like twice plus part of Europe in Africa, so it's a big continent. So, if you know someone in Africa, we probably don't know them. Um, <laughs> we get asked a lot, like, oh, do you know Barack Obama? No. Um, yeah, so uh, I already mentioned that. So on to Tanzania. So there, the, the language spoken there is Swahili or Kiswahili. And um, in, in Tanzania, that's the language that's mostly, that's most widely spoken. Um, but there's also 120 other language groups there. So our purpose in going there is to, to plant an un, a, a church in an unreached people group. So at this point, we've, we've done... Um, a lot of survey, survey work. I don't know why it went. It must have. It must have been lagging behind or something. But um, I was going to show you those. That map there. Um, these are language groups that we went and did people group assessments on to try and find out what what's the climate. What does the church look like in those areas? These were the areas that we heard. There's no church there yet. So that's what we're looking at. So we've completed our surveys for the whole country. And these are some of the top groups that we're looking at to, to actually go and allocate personnel into. And when Angie and I go back, we'll be part of a team, um, team formation and looking at where are we going to go personally and who are we going to go with. Um, so that's another big prayer request. You can be praying with us about that, that God would you know, just give us wisdom and where to work and who to work with. We've got other coworkers there who are kind of at the same place as we are in, in their progression which is, um, we, are, we are very nearly finished with our Swahili study. <clears throat> and you guys probably don't know it, but you speak some Swahili already, if you've seen The Lion King. Um, so, Hakuna Matata means no worries, if you remember that song. And uh, Simba is, is the name of the lion, which is the word for lion. Um, and, uh, I don't know, Rafiki is the is the monkey, which means friend. So we know more than that now. But, <laughs> um, so it's, it's a long process. And um, 
There's about 60 million people in the country and about 4 million people in Dar es Salaam where we are located right now. But we think that we'll only be there about six months when we go back. So, but that's where we've been for the past two years. And um, so that's, that's a basic idea of a little bit. I mean, there's, there's a lot there and I could talk for hours, but I won't. Um, and um, I don't want to scare you. I, I am coming from Africa, so, you know, we're a little bit freer with our time there. But I'm also from New England, so I, I understand. Um, um, some of the things that we focus on in Tanzania, not just Tanzania, but our, our, us as an organization, is culture and language proficiency. So that's why we've taken a long time to learn Swahili. Um, this will be a bridge language. <clears throat> it also allows us to communicate with government officials and just basically survive in a country um, if you don't speak the language. Um, the culture aspect of learning culture before going into this tri tribal group will help us um, connect with them because there's a lot of similarities. And Angie and I spent a lot of time in Mozambique before, as you'll remember, <clears throat> and uh, we learned a lot about culture there. Um, there's, a, just, there's a lot of things that, you know, they say like that language is really just an expression of your culture. So it's just what you believe and think is coming out in the way that you say it and the words that you use. So we're learning both of them together. And um, so these are kind of the main thrusts of our organization, which I should mention, because it hasn't been mentioned by me yet, at least, is that we have a new name. Um, we used to be called New Tribes Mission. And um, it was identified many years ago, over 10 years ago, that some of those words are actually holding us back from getting into certain countries in the world because um, tribes is very political in a lot of places, especially Africa. If you are aligning yourself with a tribe, it usually means political agenda. Um, and then mission is a very colonial word. Um, they don't think of a mission, they think of a building, a, you know, a, a Catholic mission, and that is, that's got a lot of baggage with it. So it was, you know, pondered over and talked about for a long time that we decided we'd change our name because we're not about New Tribes Mission, we're, we're about Jesus and his name getting preached. So we've, we are now called Ethnos 360, which is very difficult to figure out what that means. Um, <laughs> so it, it helps us quite a bit because when they hear Ethnos 360, it goes to, okay, so what do you do? And then you get the chance to explain what you do and they go, oh, that sounds good, we like that. And so that's why ethnos, meaning the, the tribes or people groups, ethnicities, right? Um, and then 360, the idea of, of around the globe, which I know it's a sphere, not just a circle, but that was, that was the best they could come up with, so. Um, we learned Portuguese originally in Mozambique, and then we went on to, to Swahili, and there were only about five shared words, so that wasn't that helpful, but, um, Apparently God was, is more glorified in us learning a language rather than just being given the gift and ability to speak it. So we've worked through that stage. Um, another foundational part or principle of, of our organization is foundational Bible teaching. So if, you go, if you've been in an area that has almost no understanding of what God's word is and starting in, in John, um, talking about this, the coming Redeemer, um, you know, there's a lot of catch-up to do of why a coming Redeemer, what does that have to do with anything? So foundational Bible teaching is what we do, and basically a chronological approach starting in Genesis and teaching all the way through. And um, the goal of that being mature churches. So um, 
our, our organization focuses on a, a, a bigger picture, long-term goal of, of basically making disciples and not just con converts. And so, you know, it's this idea of some are, are given to, to plant, some are given to water. Well, our, ours is a more, let's, let's stay and see, you know, churches established that can, you know, war walk on their own after we leave. Um, and so that's, uh, those are some of the things that are, that are important to, to our organization. Um, I just, everybody likes pictures, and so these are pictures. Um, yep. Um, the, the two opposing corners there of myself are with two different pastors that we know in the city, and um, the one on the top right is, a, is the group of people, basically, that were responsible um, for doing these surveys around the country, and a lot of times it was Tanzanians going in and helping us with that, um, co-workers of ours, to actually find out where the status of these, these people groups are at. When we go in, oftentimes there's suspicion, what, what are they doing, and you don't kind of get a clear picture. So um, we did a bunch with these guys, and then they were able to just kind of take it and do it themselves, and it's been really cool to see that, that aspect um, of them kind of taking up the baton and, and going out and. And um, here's some pictures of Angie and different things that she was involved in in the church. Um, the church that we attend there in the city, um, well, actually in Tanzania, I should say, they're very, they're a lot, there's a lot of form, like they're all about the formal. So that you see they got, they've got like matching outfits and stuff. So anytime there's a ladies' function, they get material, and then they, they make dresses and such. And um, I don't, you know, I don't know, because I'm a guy. <laughs> but I guess that's cool. So, but it's neat for them. Um, and then in the middle is, uh, this was at Christmas, uh, just this, this past year, and that, that lady's name is Happy. And uh, it's kind of fun that her name's Happy. I mean, hap like, not Happy in translated, but her name is English word Happy. And um, she works for us and lives with us. We, we kind of take care of her. We call her Dada, which means older sister. And so the boys, um, she's kind of an, she does, you know, she just does everything, and um, she's, a, she's a really neat lady, and we're um, thankful to have her. Uh, right now, she's living at the house that we were renting and, and working for our coworkers right now, so she had a place. Um, all right, so that's enough about us for now. If you want to find more, you can talk to us after, I guess, in between bites of food. Um, Let's take a look at, at uh, God's Word now. <clears throat> We're going to look at Hebrews, as you see up there. Um, so Hebrews 11. Now, as we, as we go around and we meet people, um, we get you know, this statement often of like, oh, we, I couldn't do that, I don't have enough faith, or other things applying, implying that we have some different level of faith. Um, that maybe can't be possessed. So, if you get to know me, you'll know that that's not true. Um, and so, I'm just going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, you know, as we think about faith and, and what it means to trust God, you know, we all believe that God created the world, that He died on the cross. We just celebrated Easter, um, His resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. So, you know, as you think about what your faith in those facts mean, um, 
just think about how that faith is exactly the same faith um, that that um, led Angie and I to, Mo- to Mozambique originally and then on to, to Tanzania. It's, it's, it's not like a different type of faith, it's the same faith. And believing that God created the world is, takes, it requires faith, you know, and believing that Jesus died and, and covered your transgressions, um, that takes a lot of faith, really. The same, the same amount of faith to, that could, you know, motivate you to go and do something. Um, it's the same faith that, that we need um, to believe that God wants us to forgive our spouse um, for forgetting their birthday again, um, or forgive your neighbor for, for being kind of a jerk or someone cutting you off in traffic. It's the same faith to believe God that, no, he does want us to do that and we can, we can believe him for that, um, or the faith that it takes to not say something when you know you're right. Um, but this faith to obey God, to do something crazy, to go out on a limb to help someone that doesn't seem like, um, like well, they don't deserve it really, right? Um, sometimes it, it feels like, oh, that's, that's kind of a different category. And so there's so many little things that require faith really um, each and every day and not just the big things. So I just want to talk about what does a faith-filled person look like and, um, and can we be people of faith and, and so we can maybe look at some examples of, of the faith in, in God's word. And in Hebrews, we have you know, this idea of the hall of faith. We've got these saints of the Old Testament who, who did amazing things and were, were counted um, worthy, basically, to be put in this list based upon their faith, their belief. Um, so we're going to do, uh, we're to start here in verse 1 and read down to verse 7 to start. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. For by it the people of old received God's commendation. By faith we understand that the worlds were set in order at God's command, so that the visible has its origin in the invisible. By faith Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith he was commended as righteous, because God commended him for his offerings. And through his faith he still speaks, though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he did not see death, and he was not to be found, because God took him up. For before his removal, he had been commended as having pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about the things not yet seen, with reverent regard, constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. Through faith, he he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Um, One of the projects that I've been working on for the past year uh, has been a, a translation project of taking these Bible lessons that we have in English and, and helping to um, put them into into Swahili, uh, me and, and some other coworkers. And um, it's been really neat to to get these Bible lessons and to hear them. You know, as as I struggle through what they what the what the lesson is in that and how to teach it in another language, um, to get it kind of almost for a third time because I did that in Portuguese also, um, and just recognizing that. For some people, they get it in the first language, and God needed to use three different languages for me to get it. But it's been a really a big blessing to to be thinking about these guys with the lens of the old through the lens of the Old Testament. So when we when we read these passages, we we think about them differently, and we're going to kind of go through um, not necessarily each one of these guys, but just talk a little bit about their lives because it's important to to not just go, oh, yeah, he did that, but to really think about who they were in in those situations and not just look at these accounts. 
Um, so the first guy we come there to is Abel, and then um, we come across Enoch, and then um, eventually down to Noah. And if we, you know, if we remember the story of Noah, he built this, you know, the ridiculous boat for the people at the time. It was ridiculous thinking thinking about it as the amount of faith that it took um, to actually do that. But if you look at really Noah as in big picture, and you look at his life, um, and you think about like what happened after in the account of you know, so he he was on the on the boat, and then after he he got drunk and he was laying around naked and everything. So, you know, when I read that, I think, okay, I got I can see Abel, you know, and Enoch, yeah, but I'm like Noah, really? How did he get put in there? How did he make the cut? You know. And then as we read on, we, we see in, in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into the place he, had never, he would later receive as an inheritance. And he went out without understanding where he was going. And then it goes on to talk about you know, how he lived through this in the promised land as a foreigner, and he, and he um, lived in tents with, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. And so he was looking forward to that, um, to that future blessing, and then by faith, even though Sarah herself was barren, in verse 11, and, and he was too old to also, he received the ability to procreate because he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. So then we talk, it talks about his, his descendants being innumerable, like the sands of the seashore, and they, that they died in, in faith without having received those things. Um, going on in verse 15, in fact... If they had been thinking of the land that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they aspire to a better land, um, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He had received the promises, yet he was ready to offer up his only son. God had told him, through, Isaac's, through Isaac, descendants will carry on your name. And he reasoned that God could even raise him up from the dead, and in a sense, he received him back from there. Um, so Abraham, this man of faith, you know, as I, I picture it in like modern terms, like so he buys this, he buys a camper, and he just starts driving um, across the U.S. or wherever, and he doesn't have any address for his GPS. It's like, woof, that is faith. I know where I'm going. I don't need to ask directions. Um, thinking about that. And thinking about the faith that it would be required to do that, to leave you know, all that's familiar and to, to go without knowing where you're going um, seems fairly, you know, pretty foolish because there was no AAA, there was no, you know, Airbnb or whatever along the way. Um, and then the fact that he's past, you know, age of bearing kids and his wife as well. Um, but, you know, as you look at his life as a whole, again, you come back to the fact that that he lied to the Pharaoh of the time, and he said, oh, Sarah's my sister, and because um, he was afraid, right? And he was also thinking God needed help when he, when he slept with Hagar, which was Sarah's handmaid, and, and like, oh, maybe God needs me to help him get a, you know, a, a child. And um, he was doubting what that God said, you know, what God said. So you see, you know, this kind of, in his you know, how things transpired. When you read Hebrews 11, you think, man, all the things he did. And then you go, but there was some, there was some things in there where he didn't trust. So how does, that, how does he make it to the hall of faith? 
When we get to verse 20, it says, By faith also Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the future. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each one of his sons, each one of the sons of Joseph, and worshipped as he leaned on his staff. Now, Jacob, um, in human terms, he, he kind of stole this, right? Like, he, he stole this, the blessing, um, tricked Esau or, you know, bribed him basically to give up his birthright, and then he went in and put the, the, the goat's hair on him and, and pretended, I mean, he tricked, you know, it's like, if you picture his dad is old and can't see, and he's going and taking advantage of the situation, you think, for myself, I just kind of look back at these guys and I go, why are they in there? You know? I think I've got another slide here. Yeah. I asked permission to share this photo. Um, you know, it's, um, I start to look at them differently when I, when I actually read through their stories, their, their actual life accounts. In verse 22, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of, his son, of the sons of Israel and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses, when, when Moses was born, his parents hid him for three months because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, when he grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be ill-treated with, people, with the people of God than to enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. He regarded the abuse suffered for Christ to be greater, of greater pleasure to be of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for his eyes were fixed on the reward. By faith, he left Egypt without fearing the king's anger, for he persevered as though he could see the one who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the one who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as if on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried it, they were swallowed up. Now that sounds very good, but if you look at Moses... If you look at the times that he doubted God, if you look at um, the fact that he murdered an Egyptian um, and then fled the country, you know, it says here that he, he, he left Egypt without fearing the king's anger. That was after, you know, the first time he fled because the king was after him. Um, and later on, God's, you know, I think speaking audibly to him through this burning bush, and he's got all these reasons and excuses. Um, and then in the end, he actually doesn't make it to the promised land because he gets angry and disobeys God again. So, but again, he's listed here as an example of faith. In verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped the destruction of the disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. And I'm pretty sure we can figure out what it is about Rahab, the prostitute, that doesn't seem to fit in with our idea of what a faithful saint should be. In verse 32, what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel the prophets. So again, we have Gideon, um, kind of a wimp. He, was, he had all these you know, caveats. I don't know, God. I don't know if I can do this. And Barak was okay letting Deborah, the, this woman, lead him into battle, which had been extremely shameful at the time to say, oh, you go first. I've done that before. You go first, honey. I don't know how I'll be received. But as I read through this list, I think David's probably the, you know, the one that I think humanly is the most messed up. David, the man after God's own heart. So I think, is he really the best example? You know, let me just put that list up there. 
is he really the best example that we can find, you know, to, to talk about faith that, like, you know, David who, I mean, he really messed up, right? Like, if, if we're talking nowadays, David's in the church. And I'm not saying that, that God excused it, but um, he's here in this list. And so, for myself, as I look at this list, I find it's good to be reminded, to be encouraged by them, <clears throat> by the faithful men and women who are here, because they, they were faithful, they believed. Um, and I know for myself, as I highlight these failures, you know, for us a little bit, um, you know, I'm kind of drawing it out and, and making them a little bit obvious, and it wasn't quite as clear-cut as that, but... Um, as I look at them as faith giants, it kind of removes any excuse that I might have in my life for not believing God. Um, there's nothing that disqualifies us from trusting him, right? There's nothing that, that can disqualify us, like, oh, I've, I'm too far gone to believe him, to trust him, to do what he wants. Um, some of these men and women did, you know, some of the most evil things humanly possible, um, and yet they still trusted God and were listed here and served him in mighty ways. And it's not a mistake that they're recorded here, you know. Um, it's not like God had them, had the author write these stories down and then they messed up, right? Because this is, we're talking, you know, this was Hebrews. This is a long time after. Um, it's not like they wrote, wrote him, oh, we got to scratch him out. He's, he's screwed up, right? Um, he, you know, and God obviously knew the end of the story even before it happened. And so before they were written about, even the people that were writing about them knew the end of it. So now I'm, I'm not going to tell you um, my mess-ups today. You can't make me. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you that when I, when I consider my faith, that I don't see it as great or, or different. Um, and what I do see is that I've, I, as I've trusted God in little things over and over again, these small steps, you know, that they've, they've led me to something different. Um, trusting him moment by moment, imperfectly, as it may be, similar to what these guys do, did, uh, where there are, are moments where there's complete failure. But as I, as I think about myself, and, you know, I should just preface this with, you know, when I first started... Um, teaching and, and preaching and sharing, you know, our ministry and things, I used to think, God, you know, just, I pray that it would, you know, the word would go out and, and impact, you know, everyone that's there. And then as I got a little bit older, I thought, God, if you can just, you know, make those few people or some of the people listen, you know, and that it would have an impact on their lives. And then it was later, like, if you could just, you know, those few people, and then it was, if there's just one person where I'm at now, it's like, God, I know this is for me, so whether they get it or not, your word is for me. So just know that as I'm, as I'm speaking to you, I, I'm, I'm recognizing that God's got a message for me in this through his word. So um, as we think about this, I, I take this on myself and think I need to not worry about whether I feel like I have a little bit of faith or a lot of faith or whether, whether I've, I've sinned or let that sin, or whatever it is about me that makes me feel like I'm not spiritual enough or not good enough. Um, I don't want to let that hold me back from serving him, from trusting him, from, from moving forward in that. And so I'm encouraged when I read scripture and see, you know, the authentic and imperfect lives of the ones that we often think of as being better than us. Um, we can probably say that, that 
in human terms, we haven't done most of the things that, that a lot of these guys did. But yet we, we used to look at them and wow, they were recorded in scripture. But um, we don't want to let our own things hold us back from serving. And even um, in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul you know, says, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. You know, to have that view, and we often do. And Paul wrote this you know, before I was born, so I can understand his confusion, but being the worst of them. Um, but we often feel like we're, we're the ones you know, to get that, that worst sinner, the best worst sinner award. So, you know, if, you, if you're feeling this morning like you aren't good enough, um, you know, I want you to think about these examples, really study them, look at their lives, um, and not just them, but the disciples. You know, as we, as we consider the resurrection, we, think, we look at the disciples, they all ditched him, right? When he was on the cross, it was like, we're out of here. With the exception of a few people, you know, everyone else was like, Jesus who? Um... And, you know, once the Holy Spirit came in and dwelt them, they were almost all of them, or they were all willing to die for him, and all, almost all of them did as martyrs. And so, you know, as I think about that, um, you know, as, as I'm going through my life, and I'm thinking, what is the, what is the key, so to speak, and, and what, what is going to be the difference? Um, it's that trusting, moment by moment, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life. That will make the difference. Um, knowing that God has given all of us um, everything that we need uh, to do his will. And it's really about trusting him moment by moment. So for myself, like um, personality-wise, I don't, I don't like meeting new people or seeing new things. I like having had experiences, not actually going through them. So <laughs> like looking back on pictures, that was, I'm glad I did that, but I wasn't in the moment, you know. So I think, man, I don't know how I... You know, where I'm at now, it's like I'm not always comfortable. I thought after, you know, we've been gone for 10 years, <clears throat> I thought it would get easier to get up in front of people. I thought it would get easier to, to do border crossings, to get stopped at police checkpoints. I thought all that stuff would get easier, like I'll just get used to it. And um, I'm not. And I, I'm realizing that God wants me in that place of going, God, I can't do this. Oh, I am really uncomfortable here. God, I can't, okay. Uh, it, and it's just a continuous thing so that I'll throw myself on him. Um, do, you, do you guys have Celebrate Recovery around here? Do you guys know what Celebrate Recovery is? It's, it's kind of like, um, um, yeah, it's a recovery. It's not really a program. It's, it's more like a, just a, like Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that, but it's usually in, you know, hosted at churches. And so you know, some, some of their tenets really, I think, th- their idea is that you're focusing on the next day. You know, as a recovering addict, you, you're, you're not to worry about, you know, whether you're going to stay sober for the next week, but it's just today, you know. And so as I think about my own faith journey of not worrying about whether we're going to get visas or this or that, or whether we're going to, I'm going to forget my bag at the airport or passport, or, but what do I need to do today, Lord? Sometimes that's prepare for that day coming, but to not worry about that, you know, knowing that... Um, God isn't giving me the faith that I need for tomorrow, today, that it's his new mercies are new each morning. And so trusting him today for today and leaving the other stuff in the future. Um, and, you know, I think as you do that, you'll, 
little by little you start seeing this progression and or like like I did where it was you know I was just trusting him these small steps and then boom one day I wake up in Africa and I don't have enough money to get home <laughs> I'm not saying that's going to happen to you guys but um, I want to challenge you to trust what God is doing in this very moment in your life and to keep doing that um, because that's a message that I, that I keep needing to hear for myself. And I'm not worrying about the faith that's required for tomorrow, that whether it will be enough, but rather that God's mercies are new every morning. And I removed that slide. I didn't remove it, I mean. Um, that's it. I was gonna, I was gonna, you know, anyway. Sometimes you gotta just say, "Okay, go ahead. Okay, God, but that's that's it." So, um, thank you guys for your prayers and support of us, and um, please be praying for those areas that I mentioned—the the visas and then wisdom as we go back in where God would have us to, to continue to minister. Um, as I mentioned before, ten years, we've moved countries. Um, yeah, we thought we we thought it would be different. And so, you know, our plans that, that were like this before, we're doing a little bit more like this. And so um, it's good, and we, we serve a great God, and we've seen many, many blessings that we never would have seen otherwise. Um, but it's still hard, and, um, you know, we want to be, we want to have a, a good, you know, we're, we're Americans, we want to be good performers and, and just, you know, go do it. But um, I think God is glorified in, in that. And... Uh, we have prayer cards that my wife's reaching to get. I can pick up on the cues. Um, so um, please, you know, we'll put them out back and, and pick up a prayer card, and you can see, you know, contact information there. And um, sorry. <laughs>